0: That's good. All right, if you have your Bibles, you turn with me this morning to the book of, uh, let me get my text out here, John chapter 6, John 6, Greek, his name is Ione and it means beloved of God, John chapter number 6, verse 68, scripture says, Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Father, bless this holy book now. Give me unction to preach it, to do what you've called me to do. In thy name I pray, amen. You can be seated. If you've studied your Bible, and I'm sure you've read the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, you'll find that it is one of these chapters in the Bible that confronts people with great spiritual truths, And the Lord Jesus is trying to get across to them how to discern and understand spiritual truths by using something physical to teach a lesson that is far greater than something physical. It opens the door to that which is spiritual. The Lord Jesus said to them, The words that I say unto you, they are spirit and they are life. He said to them in John 6, Except you drink my blood and eat my flesh. You have no part in me. And they said among themselves, This is a hard saying. How could anyone ever do this? How in the world could we understand what you mean? You're getting into cannibalism. Do you want us to eat physically your body? But what he was saying to them was, I'm setting before you something that stretches beyond human understanding, and I'm going to give you a lesson from it, and I hope you're able to receive it. And that is that it's simply a type, or it's a figure, it's a picture of what goes into a much deeper level than drinking my blood or eating my flesh. If you could have done that 2,000 years ago, that would not have saved you. Think on that. That would not have done it. You're not saved because you can drink his blood and eat his flesh. You're saved because you believe that he died on the cross for you and that his sinless blood could wash away your sins. And his flesh was the flesh of the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And he was telling them something that is great and that is these words that I say unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And so since I'm preaching to you this morning the word of God, I pray that you listen to his words Because if you will receive them and not kick them out and not throw them down, every word of God that you receive is a life-giving word. Because the word of God is alive. It's alive in every sense of the word. Notice carefully the apostle Peter's answer to this. I do believe that he was saying by this, I'm sure that I don't understand everything you're saying. Because of the answer that he gives. Because he asked a question. And here's the question, to whom shall we go? Now I may not understand all that you've been saying to us, but there's one thing's for certain, it's you that said it and there's nowhere else to go. And I'm gonna accept you for who you are, whether I can understand everything that you say or not. And the apostle Peter, you know, was forthright and he spoke spontaneously, he spoke extemporaneously, in plain words, he spoke what was on his mind as it came to his mind, and he wasn't speaking in some form of a shrouded, mystical, uh, esoteric tongue. He said, what are we going to do? To whom shall we go? And that's a question that we have to ask today. To whom shall we go? Where is there to go? What, what place is for us? I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today. There's nowhere else to go. Make no mistake about it. There's no God, but my God, the Lord Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the father, but by him. Amen. I firmly believe that. And I I know firmly with my heart that I know whom I have believed to whom shall we go? Here's what Satan wants you to do. He wants to put a block, some, some sort, whatever it might be between you and Almighty God. It may be some, it may be some thing, some small thing, but as long as he can get some thing between you and Almighty God, he will use that to break your fellowship with the Lord. Listen, it's altogether important that the Holy Spirit of God is able to move freely in your soul. Amen and to grieve the Holy Spirit of God is something that sucks the very life out of your Christian walk with God. The Holy Ghost must be able to move freely in our minds and in our soul and in our spirit. And if he doesn't, then we get into all kinds of trouble and all kinds of problems. And so if Satan can quench the spirit or grieve the spirit, then my dear friend, your talk with God is gonna dry up Big time. And I've had that happen to me more than once in the last few weeks. So what I'm trying to do this morning is preach to you and give you something that will help you because I know what helped me. When that spirit came down upon me and I felt like I was locked in a cage and I had a spirit bearing down on my soul. It was an oppressive spirit. It was the kind of spirit that made me want to quit. Made me want to run off and hide. It was the kind of spirit that made me want to turn my back on God and blame him and accuse him for all the stuff that's been happening. And so I got to as low as I thought I could possibly get. And then I got to the point where I said, Lord God, I don't know what's going on. And I don't have an answer for all of this, but there's one thing for certain, I'm not going anywhere. You're my God and there is no other God besides you, amen. Amen. I'm preaching my heart and I'm preaching the truth. And I said, there's nowhere else to go. And you know what happened? When I got to that point where I was ready to just say to God, there's nothing else but you, Lord. I have nowhere to go and I'm not turning on you. You're my life. You saved me. And whether I understand or not, I know you. And I know whom I have believed. And I persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And I felt that thing lift off my soul. And there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. There's nothing and some of you still have it bearing down on you. And God bless you. I'm not trying to be critical of you this morning, but that thing has not left you. And let me tell you what to do. Let me tell you what to do. You come to God Almighty and say, "Lord, help me. This thing's beating me to death and it's sucking the life out of me." God lead me into the truth and lead me into the light. You want the light? Do you want the truth? Do you really want the truth? The Bible said you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Do you really want the truth? You say that to the Lord God Almighty and this thing left me. You know what happened? I went out on the porch and I couldn't pray. It's been days where I could pray. I couldn't pray. Nothing could come up in my soul. No communication, no fellowship with the Lord. I'm out there in this bearing down on my soul. But once it had lifted, About 5.30 in the morning, heaven opened. And man, did the spirit begin to move. And I started calling names out. And I started interceding. And I started praying. And there's nothing like that. I didn't get that from a book. I got that from a relationship with God. So how long has it been since you've been able to pray for someone? There's a lot of different reasons why you get shut down. It may be sin. It may be something else. It It may be an attack. I do say this. A few days ago, I said, You unclean spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I don't belong to you. You have no power over me. I come against you in the name of Christ. I plead the blood against you. Leave me. Leave me in the name of Christ. Leave me. And you know what happened? It was at that moment that God began to move and take that thing out of my life. Thank God for it. You mean a Baptist preacher that believes in casting it? You'd better believe I do. <laughs> You better believe it too, cause they're gonna wear you out. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now notice what it says in Matthew one, Matthew chapter eleven, verse one. It came to pass when Jesus made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, they departed thence to teach and preach in their cities. And when John had heard the prison, he works of the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? See this question? He sent this question to the Lord. I mean, of all those born of woman, there hath not risen a greater than John. My dear friend, I'm, I'm not up here this morning to criticize John the Baptist. He was one of the greatest ever walked the face of this earth, amen. The Bible said when he was born, he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he came because there was a conditional thing that had to do with John the Baptist that had something happened with Israel that God could have had happen, that John the Baptist could have been Elijah and church history for the last 2,000 years as we have known it could not, would not have been the same. This is the way the Bible's written. There are conditional things in scripture, conditional things, and John the Baptist could very well have been fulfill, fulfilling the prophecy of Elijah, but he didn't, he didn't. And so the, when they locked him up and he was gonna become a martyr, He said, as we probably all would do, sitting in a dark hell hole with rats running around the walls, filth and vermin everywhere he looked, he might have said to himself, wait a minute. I started at the Jordan River. I stood face to face with these and I said, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Ye generation of vipers, bring forth their fruits meet for repentance. Show me something. John the Baptist was uh, one of a kind. He came from nowhere like Elijah did. Nobody called him on the scene. He didn't check in with the religious authorities. He just stood up one day and he began to preach. Amen. That was John the Baptist. God bless his memory. Amen. So understand where I'm coming from with John. But like all the rest of us, John got into a place that he just couldn't handle any more of it. And it was tearing him down and eating him up. And he was sick and tired of it. And so he spoke out and he spoke out and said, now, are you really the one that should come? Did I make a mistake when I started preaching about you? Are you really him? And those of you that read your Bible, you know what he answered, don't you? You know what he said, don't you? And we look in Mark chapter number four, verse 36. What did he say? You need to check it out for yourself. Amen. I'm going to be mean this morning. Go back there and read the text. (laughs) Read it for yourself. Mark chapter number four in verse 36. Look at this question. And when they'd sent away the multitude, they took even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship. And so it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Isn't that a remarkable (laughs) While the wind raged and the sea boiled, he slept on. And they awake him. It's like Peter the night before they're going to take him. You remember they killed James with a sword in the book of Acts? You remember that? And they had Peter locked up the next day. Peter was going to become another martyr for the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine that night? Peter was walking the floor and he was breaking out of a cold sweat. And he just maybe throwing up and he couldn't handle it. And he knew he was going to die the next day. And Peter didn't know what he was going to do. Oh, When they came in to get Peter, do you know what they did? They had to smite him on the side. Wake up, boy. (laughs) Yeah, that's how much he was worried about where he was going. And so it is Christ asleep on a pillow. It's amazing at the stuff that gets us stirred up. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, now look at the question they cast upon him. Carest thou not that we perish? And that's a question that every one of us have asked one time or another. And you may be going through it right now. You may be asking God that question, do you really care about me? I mean, after all, do you, do you even know that I exist? Am I on your list? Am I one of the elect? I mean, some may tell you that only the elect, he only died for the elect. He died for all, including the elect. Remember that. The Bible said he tasted death for every man, including the elect. And I'm still waiting for one of the elect out there to show me in the Bible where only the elect are going to be saved. And the mailbox has been empty and it'll stay empty. You can be certain of that. You know why? Because the Bible does not say that only the elect will be saved. Keep that in mind. That's important. That's a big deal. But so you care not that we perish? Well, Satan can beat you to death with that. If he can wire you out with anything, it's that we get card after card, email after email. I got one from a dear soul the other day and she said, now preacher, my husband was a pastor. He's been gone 10 years. It's not easy, preacher. The days are long and lonely. And I need God. I need his comfort. I need his presence. I need him to help me. Surely he knows my plight and knows who I am and where I, where I am. I got a letter the other day from, from Adeen Pike. How many of you remember Adeen Pike? You remember her? Brother Pike's widow? If you want to stay on the right with God, take care of the widows and the orphans. If you want to get out with God, you start messing with the widows and the orphans and you're going to get in trouble. She said, I'm wearing oxygen now 24-7. 24-7. She has a hard time getting around. That gives you something to pray for. Think about a man who gave his entire life, Randy Pike did, for the Lord. I mean, he served him all of his life. Think about a man like that. And now here he leaves behind his widow. Does God care? Well, let me tell you something about the Lord. The Holy Spirit can come to us and give us the comfort we need. And my dear friend, not only can he give us the comfort we need, he can heal our bodies too. He can. He doesn't always do that, but he can. So don't ever let some Baptist preacher get up and tell you that when the canon of scripture was finished 2,000 years ago that all these things were shut down. When that which is perfect is come and that which is in part shall be done away. No, 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 my dear friend. That's got nothing to do with the healing of your body. James said in chapter number five, if there be any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. And let him pray over them and anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Confessing your faults one to another. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if he's done anything in his sins, they'll be forgiven him. Healed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go do it. James said you have not because you ask not. Say so the doctor told me, well, thank God for the good doctors. I'm glad. I got a half a dozen of them. <laughs> Amen. I got one doctor. He's trying to run me to another doctor. And I just said to myself, I've had enough doctors. <laughs> you say you're not going to go preacher? No. <laughs> had enough of them. <laughs> Amen. I appreciate the doctors. I'm not anti-doctor at all. But the truth of the matter is Dr. Jesus has got my body. And I'll be here as long as he wants me to. But the truth of the matter is, after the doctor gives you no hope, and he says to you, medical science has done all it can do, and there's nothing left, and we'll just send you home and try to make you comfortable and let you die. Well, that's man talking to you, and he's doing the best he can. I'm not here to be critical, but let me tell you something. That one up there makes the final call. That's the one that determines whether you live. Or whether you die. John chapter number 18 verse 36. Jesus answered my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were this world. My servants would fight. That I should not be delivered of the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said to him. Art thou a king then? Jesus answered thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world. That I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth. Heareth my voice. Did you hear that? Did you really hear that? If you're of the truth, you hear his voice. I have those who say to me, preacher, you know, I'm not sure. I'm an agnostic. I don't know for certain. Your way may be the right way, who knows, But it may not. It's only one of the ways, that there are many ways to God. And there's all kinds of philosophy flying and floating around today. And so here Pilate saith unto him, "What is truth?" And I'm sure he said that with all the vitriol that he could. What is truth?" Pilate, I'm sure, had seen every kind of a truth there was in his day. And we're talking about relativism. Your truth, my truth, his truth. We live in a time when a man can say, I'm a woman now. A woman can say, I'm a man now. No longer is anything based on so-called science. And everything now is just simply floating. Have you noticed? Have you noticed the floating now? Have you noticed a new spiritual realm that people are entering into? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed the spirit that is being born from this? Have you noticed how contagious this spirit is? Have you noticed how people pick it up and they grab it and take hold of it? You ever wondered why men reject Christ? You ever wonder why they turn on the Lord? They don't turn on God because there is no God. They don't turn on God because they can't understand him. They turn on God because they want to live the way they want to live and they don't want anybody telling them how to live. That's why, right there had one of my, my cousins who came from Oregon. He came here about 30, 40 years ago. And I went over to the house and had supper with him. And I said, why did you leave your church? And he gave the clearest, honest answer I had ever heard in my life. Most church people will not give that kind of a clear answer. He said, my church, I didn't want to live the way my church taught me to live. Well said. Well said. Amen. Amen. What could I say to that? What could I say? That's the truth. I didn't want to live that way. So it's not a matter of hiding behind hypocrites, is it? It's not a matter of not understanding the Bible, is it? The real reason that you do not want to come to the Lord Jesus is because you want to live the way you want to live. Amen. We're all adults in here today. Amen. This is not Art Linkletter's show. Do you remember Art Linkletter? Most of you have never heard of him, but you old folks do, all you old people. And what they say? Kids say the darndest to the strange. Do you remember that when he, when he interviewed the children? And the truth of the matter is, I hate to be this way with you this morning, but I swear some of those kids had more sense back then than people today. That was amazing. It really was quite a thing. But of course, it was for that generation. What is truth? Luke chapter number two, when they'd fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph, his mother, knew not of it. And then to jump down, they supposed him to be with the company. And then in verse number 48, they found out he wasn't, and so they went back to Jerusalem, and they were all upset, and they were upset with him. Why did you do this to this? And here it says in verse 48 of Luke 2, and when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Why did you treat us like this? Behold thy, uh-oh, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Well, now, if you'll go back to verse number 43, here's what the Holy Ghost said about that. And when they would fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. The Holy Spirit never calls J- Joseph the father of the Lord Jesus, never. Now Mary did, and may have been a slip of the tongue, who knows, but the Holy Ghost makes it plain in Luke chapter number two. She said, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. (laughs) Didn't you know where he was? Did you suppose he was there? Why have you dealt thus with us? And it was by this time that she should have understood when Gabriel came to her and said that holy thing, that is it. Do you know who had the hardest time probably of all of them to get a hold of everything that was happening? It was Mary. It was Mary. Because she's the one that was impregnated by a spirit being. Amen. Amen. A spirit being impregnated her. How many buy that? How many believe that? You've heard people, you've heard preachers get up in the pulpit and they've said, Hey, no way a spirit can impregnate someone. Really? Who impregnated Mary. The Holy Ghost, a spirit being, certainly, certainly. But she had a time of it because being a human being and bringing forth a child and was his mother and gave him suck when he was little and raised him up in her home and watched him grow. She had a hard time understanding the full import of God becoming a man, the incarnation. Oh, how it really worked on her, thy father and I. Sought the sorrowing. You understand the Lord Jesus Christ when it comes to spiritual things will put the Father first regardless. Amen. The Father will always be put first. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You want to pray? Here's how to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The fatherhood of God in the Old Testament was a doctrine. The fatherhood of God in the New Testament is a personal reality. When you are born of the Spirit of God, God becomes your father. And there's no question about it. John chapter number 6 and verse number 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? What about that? How in the world can God get his work done? How can he do anything if we don't supply what he needs? Oh, you got it all wrong. Oh, you got it completely backwards. You got got it completely backwards. It's not what you have he wants. He doesn't need what you've got. He took five loaves and two small fishes and turned it into 500 loaves. In 20, 30, 40, 60, 80, 100, 2,000 fishes. In plain words, all he wants from us is obedience. What's that in your hand, Moses? What's that in your hand? It's a staff. What's in your hand, Moses? A staff. Not a sword, a staff. Not a sword, a staff. But that staff he used to show Pharaoh and Janice and Jambres and the rest of them there that day the power of God. And it was that staff that he raised up and said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And the sea split, amen. Moses' rod, the rod of Moses became the rod of Aaron. This rod is something, it's the rod of God. It's the power of God in God's hand. I don't need, he doesn't need me. I need him. You hear this preaching, somebody says, we're God's eyes and we're God's ears and we're God's mouth. You kidding? What did he do before you showed up? Matthew 8, verse 28, Matthew, John 20, rather, verse 14. When she thus said, she turned herself back, saw Jesus standing, knew not it was Jesus. Jesus saith in her woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She's supposing him to be the guardian. Remarkable how well Mary Magdalene knew him, and yet he, he kept his identity from her. It's quite a remarkable thing when he reveals himself. He chooses when and where to do that. She, supposing him to be the gardener, says to him, sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him away. She came for a body. (laughs) She came for a dead body and she got something far greater. Amen. She came for a dead body. (laughs) Folks like dead stuff. You know that, don't you? They do. Spirit, listen, if you want to see the demons hit the door as fast as they can, scurry and hide and run as fast as they can, you let life come into a church. And anywhere the Holy Spirit is, is, there's life. Amen. The Holy Ghost is life himself. And she said, I want his body. Would you please let me have his body? Well, his body's not around anymore. I'm him. (laughs) I'm in that body now. You're not going to get a dead body. You're going to get a resurrected Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm. It's so sad this morning a lot of churches preach dead bodies. We preach a living Christ. Amen. Amen. I couldn't make it another day, folks, if I didn't have the Holy Spirit speaking to me, comforting me, guiding me, directing me, giving me life. Is he giving you life? Is he inside? Do you really know that you know that you know that there's a life inside you that's not your own? Amen, amen, amen. And Matthew chapter number eight, what a sad thing. He came to the country of the Gergesenes, and there were those possessed with the devil and they cried out and said, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? It's sad, man, to think that these spirit beings knew a time was coming when they would be tormented. My goodness gracious. The spirit world is far more acute to the identity of Christ. They know who he is. They know who he is. If if we poor blind human beings don't, have you come to torment us? Now notice they bring the issue of time. They raise the issue of time. Is it time? Acts chapter number 1, When therefore we come together, they ask him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel. They wanted the kingdom. I understand why. They were being oppressed. They were an occupied country. The Romans, that uh, feet of iron, that uh, legs of iron had come down upon them. Most terrible of all of the kingdoms before it preceded it. The Gentile kingdoms, the Roman kingdom. You had three things in Rome that were very important. Time of Christ, 2,000 years ago. That was lex, lex, Romano, in other words, the law of Rome, Rex Romano, the king of Rome, and then the peace of Rome, three things, very important to Rome, it was about the peace of Rome, okay, that Pontius Pilate was concerned about, keep these crazy Jews down, keep them down, And so, oh, you restore the kingdom again to Israel. When's it coming? They're speaking out of a limited understanding of the ministry of Christ to begin with. Very limited because they fully, did not fully understand why he came to begin with. What's he doing here in this world? Matthew chapter 24 verse 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. He's the only one who knows when Christ is going to come. Why? I believe it's conditional. I believe it's variable. That's why there's no way way in the world somebody could set a date. Back in the 1800s, a man by the name of Miller set a date of the second coming of Christ. And he didn't come, so they called his disciples Millerites. In 1988, a fellow put a book out and he said, 88 reasons why Christ will come in 88. That's kind of catchy, wasn't it? Why not 89 reasons? Why not 87? No, he made sure it was 88 reasons why Christ would come in 88. Did he come in 88? Of course not. But every generation or so or every decade or so is another one to come out with another book talking about well, Christ is going to come at such and such a time. And they quote this Old Testament prophet a scripture that says, shall God do anything except he reveal it to his servants, the prophets. That's exactly what he said, didn't he? Well, he also said in Psalm chapter number 91, he'll give his angels charge over thee. devil quoted that one. One of the greatest gifts that God will ever give any of us, folks, and let me say this to you from my heart, is the ability to discern the scripture. Amen. Wisdom from the Bible. Amen. Don't get messed up. Don't jump on something. Don't make, don't, take, don't, don't make some simplistic application of everything that you read. Because the Bible is the living word of God. It's a living book. And then finally, in Revelation 6, verse 9. When he'd opened the fifth seal, I saw on the altar the souls of them which were slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? How long is it going to be? How far are we from that? If they catch you with a Bible in North Korea, they'll put you to death. That's right. Yes, they'll put you to death. He just visited with... uh, Putin over there in Russia. Took his armored train. That's how he travels. Traveled through China and then over into Russia. Spent some time with him and now he's back in North Korea. He put his own uncle in front of a piece of artillery and blew him all to pieces. He's a vicious monster. That's the ruler of North Korea. That's who he is. That's who he is. But he doesn't stop at being a monster He persecutes anybody that has a Bible. What's he afraid of the Bible? Why was Mao Zedong afraid of the Bible? Why are they afraid of the Bible? If the Bible is just a book of, you know, they say anachronistic, out of time, out of date, and some old wives' tales, old wives' fables, some old thing, well, why are you afraid of it? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? If you don't believe there's a God, I challenge you today, why don't you read some of it? Read some of it. Read it. Let not you start with the Gospel of John, Amen. verse one, chapter one? Amen. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Amen. Amen. The beginning, the was the Word, and the Word was God. Amen. Oh yeah. I'll tell you what's the matter. You're afraid. You're afraid. You're afraid of the Bible. Yes, you are. You'll go to it, brainwashed. Yeah. You got a high school diploma here from America, 2023. They go to these kids out on the street. They go up to this girl. She's 17, 18 years old, just graduated from high school. Says, uh, here's a map of the world. Could you please name one? Country, one country. All right. I'll tell you what. We'll give you a break. A continent. Just name one continent. Whole lot bigger than a country. Just name one. She stood there and looked dumbfounded. She's been cheated. Yes. Yes, That's sad. I feel sorry for her. She thinks she has a high school. She didn't have anything. She's been. But I'll tell you what they did. Oh, who wrote this song, and who's the singer in this, and who's hitting the chart of number 10 or this or that or that, and knew every one of them, knew every one of them. That's exactly right. She lives in fairy tale land. I was watching two people yesterday at the restaurant. and <laughs> I shut up, but I, I couldn't help it. <laughs> this woman was sitting there. Her husband was sitting over from her. And, then, and, and, and the waitress brought the food, set it down, You talk about being addicted. That's sad. That's sad. Father, bless your word. Thank you, Lord, for letting us meet in your house. I pray in the Father today that somebody heard something might be helpful for them. And we send it forth for the purpose to help, Lord, not hurt. I don't hurt anybody. Have no desire to hurt a soul. We send forth your word. We ask you to bless it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand up.